Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to episode 259 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. So Brought to you as you always by our good friends at Justice Dental. Uh, visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859 543 0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? On time and and getting in here early with with no issues so far. Like uh, Definitely not the norm for us uh, this spring. Connor Riggs says over under two times Jack's Wi-Fi messes up. I'm hammering the over. Uh, Dave says someone said this is getting as bad as faking an announcement like good old Marty Mush with the uh, Hunter Dickinson. So, yeah. Oh, and then my, my favorite was FT at the very beginning said my dumbass signing on at two Pacific time knowing good and well they aren't starting till at least a quarter after PS ever changed. Good thing we will never change. This is who we are. Uh, love us or don't take us or leave us. It is what it is. Anyway, a uh, very, very big week. It's kind of weird, Sean. It's like it's been a slow news week, but a lot of stuff has happened that we need to talk about and dissect and, di- and dig into. We literally just got done watching Oscar Sheway at the NBA Draft Combine, who put on a show. He was absolutely terrific. We're going to talk about that, how they look. Uh, the lack of Chris Livingston participating in five-on-five, what that means. Is it a smart decision? I personally have no idea what he's thinking with that, but we'll dive into that. Um, Antonio Reeves wraps up his time also in Chicago, but at the G League Elite Camp, we talked about uh, him needing to play his way into the NBA Draft Combine with a superstar performance uh, there in Chicago. He did not do that. He did not receive an invite. Does that mean that he's back? Uh, What's the timeline looking like with that? We'll definitely dive into that, but um, Sean, I want to get started. Big news. I guess we last talked on Wednesday, right before, I guess, as Kishad Johnson, San Diego State transfer was arriving on campus. Uh, at the time, I had heard that Arizona was in a really good spot. And, you know, honestly, I, just being totally transparent, I'd heard that like he had silently committed to Arizona going into the trip to Kentucky. So I really wasn't taking the trip all that seriously just being totally honest i knew kentucky liked where things stood with them and if they really make it made a significant push they would probably land him um but i just you know i think they were wanting to make sure they had a placeholder just in case chris livingston left and and needing a backup for a backup or whatever the case was um 
But the visit went very, very, very well. They loved uh, what Kishad brought to the table. His personality uh, talked a ton about just wanting to be a winner. And, and, you know, I made it to the national championship game with San Diego State this past year. I want to do that wherever my, I choose for my next stop. I'm going to continue being a winning guy. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of started falling in love with the idea of bringing this kid in. Again, he's a 22, 23-minute-per-game guy. So it's not like you're coming in asking for 35 minutes like some of these other transfers and demanding touches and all that. He is a glue guy, a perfect plug-and-play guy. Again, like we said on the last show, I'm not wanting him to come in and be the superstar at the four and get a ton of touches or whatever. But uh, I have definitely really changed my tune in, in terms of just liking the addition and what he could potentially bring to the table as just a, a glue guy, plug-and-play piece for a title-contending team. Yeah, I, you know I'm a big fan of it and, and everything since it started coming out that there was a possibility and then getting him, in on, getting him on campus and things. And just a, a guy that I think out of all the people, like if it works out and it ends up being Kentucky, out of all the people that will be on – all the bodies that will be on this roster, I'm not sure you'll find a guy that is more suited to play whatever role he is asked to play. A guy that has done it his entire college basketball career, waited his turn, and eventually got significant minutes on a team that went all the way to the national championship game and has Final Four national championship experience. I just think that that is something that if you can add to this core group of freshmen and then whatever Kentucky will return or add, I think it's the perfect uh, piece to kind of blend around. I mean, it's not a role. And, like, that's the thing. Like, we have, we'll have no idea what that role will be until later in the year. Is it, a, is it a starting role? Is it a reserve role? Like, regardless of what it is, I think he will accept it. And that's rare to find for a guy of his age coming off of a national championship appearance. That just tells you that he wants to win and he, and he wants to do it wherever he's going. And I think that that's a big thing that you could add to this roster if it works out. So I talked to um, Coach Don, who was with him on this visit, um, and, and kind of taking him under. So he he played AAU with him and was a mentor and trainer, and you know really took him under his wing early in his younger days as a basketball player. And um, the family kind of asked this coach to say, "All right, you know this is a really serious decision for him. He's deciding, you know, uh, will he be a pro?" is he going to win a national champion? I mean, they knew the significance of this decision and they wanted him, you know, somebody who was really, really close to him and the family to kind of help guide him and weigh his options and go on these trips with him. So I talked to him as, I mean, literally he was sitting on the tarmac uh, leaving Lexington, his flight had just gotten delayed. And he said that he was going to call me when he landed back in, in California, but he ended up just calling me while they were on the tarmac. Cause they had a, a quick delay. And he was like, man, I'm not going to lie, you know, talking to a hall of famer and, and coach Cal and, uh, just the the impact of of what he's made on the game of basketball. He's like, look, we, I, I've been a coach forever. Uh, I, he's played basketball at the highest level, played in the national championship game this past year. We kind of thought we had this stuff figured out going into this trip, uh, and we learned so much about the games. And he's like, we're we're basketball junkies, and we learned so much about the game of basketball and um, you know what it means to be a winner and and how to brand yourself and things like that that they just haven't had the experience of, of learning and. I just couldn't stop raving about the visit. He said, look, you know, Kishad is going to make his own decision. He said, you know, if you ask me, I I personally love the visit. I know he enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, was it this game-changing visit that made him say, well, this is clearly the place I want to go? He said, I don't want to speak for him, but I know that things went very, very well. Uh, Told me that the commitment is coming on Saturday, Sean, um, that he's going back. So he graduated on Sunday at San Diego State and is going up to Oakland 
this weekend to be with friends and family. And he's having a graduation party. His mom's mom, mom and dad are throwing him a, a graduation party back home in Oakland. And that's where he's going to make his college commitment. So uh, I think it, it, it's a really cool story. Uh, a guy that knows exactly who he is as a basketball player. I asked him what, uh, what is John Calipari saying your role is going to be at Kentucky if you do decide to be a wildcat. And he said, you know, uh, he wants me to be that plug and play Mr. Versatile two way uh, threat who's capable of getting out, pushing out in transition, showing off my athletic abilities and uh, yeah, yeah, maybe showing off an expanded offensive game. I, I, you know, he really didn't do much of anything offensively at San Diego State, wanting to maybe put him in a big, better position uh, for, for the next level, because that's kind of what you do in the transfer portal. But really, the idea is for him to be a plug and play piece on a national title contending team. And I don't know uh, where else you could find that, Sean. Uh, did you see uh, his Instagram story as the <laughs> as the visit was going on? We've never seen that with a recruit. Just no. give it like a behind the scenes look of what John Calipari's pitch is as it's unfolding. Well, it's it's like a week or so ago we were talking about you know Hunter Dickinson's visit to Kentucky and and not really being wowed and, and things like that. But then you have this kid who comes in and is really wowed by the presence of John Calipari and Kentucky basketball, the, the championship ring and, and all those things. And then that story with you talking about that they love Kentucky style of play. That's something that we don't hear a ton of and, and things like that and envisioning him playing well in that style. So uh, getting him to campus and, and getting him to see all those things and get that firsthand on, on site experience, it, it definitely seems like it was certainly a game changer that kind of moved Kentucky into a better spot in this recruitment. Uh, but yeah, that, that Instagram, you know, video and stuff. And I know that you had it up on, on Twitter, I believe. I, I think that that was really cool to just see and kind of get to experience what these guys get to experience. And I, I thought it was really neat. Yeah. They were in Cal's office and he was showing the camera around and he said, he, he showed the, the wall of rings and all the memorabilia. And he just said, Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> and uh, he turned and got up, up close with the national championship rings and the, you know, SEC championships and all that stuff. Uh, and he zoomed all, all close with it and turned to Coach Cal, who is telling Coach Don about the time that he almost drafted Kobe Bryant and, you know, the, the, the history behind that. And, you know, said, everybody called me crazy, but I was going to draft Kobe. Uh, it's just the most Cal thing in the world. Like, your visit, your your visitor is talking about the, you know, how cool the all the rings are of your past and all of that. And you're you're still wanting to throw a, a quick jab in uh, saying, I, I almost drafted Kobe Bryant. Nobody else could say that. Uh, and then he turns to Cal and says, Coach, you gotta give me one of these, give me one of these rings. So uh not going to just hand him one of those rings. He could definitely come to Lexington and earn it, but uh definitely things coming down the pike. And I think things are in a really good spot for the cats and we will find out that officially on Saturday, a decision I'm quite excited for. And, and he would add a lot to this roster, especially on the the defensive side of the floor. I think that that would be something, a frame that can can guard multiple positions and it has some strength and some size and it's some experience in college basketball. I think that you could see him turn into to a guy that could guard you know, really solid perimeter players and maybe even slide down and guard some four men. I, I think that that would be his versatility on the defensive end that would make a significant impact on a roster that I think needs that. You can never have too many dudes that can guard multiple positions. And I think that he has the the capability and potential to do that in the SEC if it is at, at Kentucky. And I think that that would be an instant impact with the hope of maybe expanding his offensive game and doing some other things as well and, st and stepping out. So that's, 
a date that we know of that's a done deal. Not, you know, I, I, they're talking things over. I think Kentucky's personally in a really good spot. They feel very confident. All the vibes I've gotten talking to the people closest to Kishad, they feel pretty good about Kentucky. But, you know, I don't want to call it a done deal or anything that they're in the middle of the decision process right now. So we'll find that out for certain on Saturday. But we at least have a, a done deal deadline on when that's going to happen. Everything else still remains very much up in the air in terms of what this roster looks like and until this combine ends uh, at the end of this week. So I guess the biggest clarity that we have uh, is definitely with Antonio Reeves. He goes to Chicago hoping to, you know, make an impact at the the G League elite camp and uh, earn one of those combine spots. He did not do that. He plays very well in game two, 16 points, four rebounds, uh, under 17 minutes, seven of 13 shooting overall. Uh, but then in that first game, four points, two of eight shooting, 0 for three from three, three rebounds. Um, didn't make a three the entire weekend in Chicago. That's something that I think he really needed to show to, to receive that invite. Uh, he's still going through some workouts and and uh, wrapping up that process. But, I mean, Sean, I, I just don't know what the incentive would be for him to go pro right now. Uh, knowing that he didn't solidify himself a, a draft deal, he didn't solidify himself a guaranteed contract with, with anybody like this would be on the outside looking in of a two-way deal and he would not be at the top of the list of guys. I mean, the, the, the two-way, you'd think that there are more two-way deals available than there actually are. Uh, he would not be at the top of the list for one of those. And, and he would be one of those G League guys that have to kind of carve out his way making $50,000 a year riding from, Fort Wayne to, you know, uh, the, all the different G League affiliates. I, I just don't see why Kentucky wouldn't be the end result considering what NIL could do for him. You you, you can make that money in, in a significant amount more coming back to Kentucky, working on your game and expanding it, trying to improve in certain areas to where a year from now you go right back into that same situation and you hope you get an invite. And then you hope you get a guaranteed two-way deal or something to get you in the league. It, it, it does not make sense for him to do it now because if he does, he's going to be right in the same situation, having to find a fit, having to find a, a scenario where he's trying to prove himself again, where you can go back to a Kentucky where your role and your identity and everything is already here, established, play another season of college basketball, make a lot of money, improve your game, and then go right back into that same setting again a year from now and be more ready to do it and hopefully – have a deep NCAA tournament run under your belt to showcase it. And that's the thing, like come back to Kentucky. If this team is good enough to go on a run, that's where you're, you're seeing a ton in that tournament. Go out there and make buckets for a Kentucky team advancing deep into March. That would be a game changer for him if, if he can do that. And uh, remains to be seen what the decision will be made. I think you and I and everyone would be surprised if it wasn't a return to Kentucky at this point. But, I mean, he did some things. He was productive. He found a way to be productive, even though he didn't make make threes and stuff and was 0 for 4 uh, there. But what averaged 10 points a game, three and a half rebounds during those, those couple of dates there in Chicago. But he has a lot to offer. I just think that right now it's still in college basketball. But a year from now, we could be having a different conversation if he puts up big numbers. Yeah, uh, there are two different comments I want to touch on. Uh, Matt says Reeves is solid. Seems th seems the thing is with uh, with him, he's got high highs and low lows. And then Lance D says Reeves sucks, so it would be great to have him back. First of all, he had 16 points and four rebounds on an efficient seven to 13 uh, at the, this in game two. So to say he sucks, I mean he does suck. But there is something to be said about a player that goes through streaks and has highs and lows. 
when you have guys like Rob Dillingham, who will also have his own highs and lows, and guys like DJ Wagner, who will have his shooting lows, I think he's going to be a, a, a solid three-point shooter. I don't think he's going to be a great three-point shooter, but you always have to have complementary pieces. And, and a guy who has been here, knows the system, uh, the, the transition period isn't going to be there for him if and when he c- decides to come back to Kentucky. He's going to be the vet complementary piece in that locker room to the youth movement that Cal is clearly trying to, to implement uh, and what the heck is Reed Shepard going to provide? You know, I'm still interested to see if he can be a 10, 15 minute guy. Uh, is he going to be that CJ Frederick girl? Can he knock down 35% of his three pointers? Sean, that's, that's if, well, if, if he can provide that to you, I, I don't think you need to go get a guaranteed shooter in the portal. I don't. If you can't rely on him to be that, and he did have his shooting struggles this past year uh, at North Laurel, I, I think maybe you do need to go add somebody else. But uh, if if you can trust him to do that, then I, I think you're probably okay with where things start if you get Reeves back. Yeah, and and actually talking about Reed, I had a conversation with someone last night about Reed, another coach in the state, and I was talking about what his impact could be at Kentucky this year. And I think that you could see Reed slide and play some point at times, but he played with the ball in his hands pretty much his entire high school career. I think you're going to see him transition and play without the ball a lot right off the bat at Kentucky in, in a role. And like you said, if, if he has the ability to knock down those shots, and we've seen him hit those shots in the past, I think that maybe not having as much on his shoulders. He, I know he carried a lot, had to do a lot of things for, for his team. A, a kid of that caliber anywhere in the country in high school basketball is asked to do a ton for their team. So uh, maybe sliding in and, and knocking – down some shots in a different role off the ball, I think could be good for him. But I, I do think that Reed is capable. And I think early on, we don't know what that schedule is going to look like. You're going to get the uh, the tour and stuff this summer and the games in July to kind of see. But I, I would say that Reed is somewhere settling into that 15 minutes a game mark early in the season because you want to see, as John Calipari, what he can do. And those are the perfect opportunities to see it. So, yeah, if you get him – if you get Reed's back and you have Reed Shepard and, and you know – Rob's going to hit some shots and, and other guys. I think Kentucky will have enough from the perimeter to to do some damage and, and kind of keep teams honest and stuff and, and spread the floor out and create some spacing. Moving on to the uh, combine where we've gotten some really fascinating storylines with the measurements. Nothing about the Kentucky guys really blew anybody away positively or negatively. They kind of stayed right in the middle of the pack, um, you, you know, height, weight, hand width, hand length, height with and without shoes, standing reach, all that stuff. You know, Kentucky was, uh, you know, pretty fine in, in those areas. You know, Oscar, uh, Chris Livingston and Casey Wallace, they, they were all fine. Nothing to overly help or hurt. Where my question comes in, Sean, is Oscar Sheboy decides to play five on five. He plays today, goes 10 for 16, was absolutely tremendous. Um, he has a pretty glaring quote after the game that I need to ask you about because it doesn't necessarily sound good for his chances to come back to Kentucky. But Chris Livingston decides to sit out five on fives. And then, you know, when when the news came out that he was sitting out five on five, Sean, I said, well, somebody clearly gave him a guarantee and a team of the top 45, he's going to get a guaranteed deal. The clutch pull got him what he was looking for. And he said, there's nothing else that I need to work for. I'm going to be a top 40 pick. Have a nice day. You know, that was my first inclination. I thought it was wrong because I I don't know how a team could draft him that high, but I just thought it is what it is. And then he says after uh, during the the media 
interviews that he has only met with the Utah Jazz and the Detroit Pistons, has one workout scheduled with the Boston Celtics, and still hasn't worked out for any NBA teams yet. Like, how how can you not play five on five and try to carve out a role in the draft? If if this is the, what the, the 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 path that you're going down, what would what would push you to make that decision, Sean? I, that that's one that's just absolutely baffling to me, and I, I I hope he has this thing figured out, and the people in his circle are making the right decisions. But it, it really scares me that we could see a Khalil Whitney type of situation where the the yeah. wrong people are making the, the the having the loudest voices in his decision and end up costing him his career. That's, that's a real concern of mine right now. Right yeah. Now. When you go, when you go to the combine or when you get that invite and, and things, and if you're, if you're guaranteed to be in a certain spot and you know where you stand, then you probably don't participate. Or if you're a guy that maybe is trying to hide some flaws and things, but when you're talking about Chris, who, we, he could show up in that draft and we expect him probably to not be picked or something like that feels like a, a guy that needs to go out there and perform and, and use it because he still has the option to go do it and still come back and, and then showcase the, the growth from there. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Oscar who had nothing to lose by participating today in things like he had literally nothing to lose only to gain. And I, I think Chris is in the, the same boat there. I mean, if you're if you're going to do it, you're going to go that far. Like if there's not a guaranteed deal from somebody or something like that, or a guaranteed pick or, or spot, then I just don't think it makes sense to 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 go through everything that you're going through because you're not going to get drafted off your measurements alone. You're not. Why why go through all the effort to even go to Chicago if all you're going to do is get your hands measured and your wingspan and, and how tall you are. Like what's this, the point? The same, the same stuff that they did on campus. What? Six months or when they do, they do the measurements there. I mean, numbers are, are almost identical. I mean, yeah. Like it's uh, what, what was the point? Unless it's just a, like, I, I don't think it's like a badge of honor just to say, Hey, I got invited to the draft combine, but I went and got measured, but I didn't participate. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's not something that I'm, I'm looking for here. I, and, and you know, the NBA is not looking for that. Like how many guys get drafted off of how big their hands are and how long their arms are and things like that? Sure, those are things that are factored in when you're looking at dudes like, okay, he's a freak. But then again, you want to see what they do between those lines, and he didn't showcase himself today. So I just don't think that – or in this week, I, I don't think it makes any sense for for the whole situation. It just makes me even more puzzled than what I already was going into this. And I have no idea what to expect or, or where Chris goes from here or what the decision will be. I, I've heard from several different people over the course of this process from the beginning of the off season, all the way up through this week um, that clutch is wanting to use Chris Livingston, like make an example of Chris Livingston about the, if, if things don't go the way they hoped in college, that we can use our voice and our leverage and our, you know, they have the most powerful voices in, in basketball on, on, he has the most powerful voices in basketball on his side. And they are vouching for him in ways like basically just saying, throw out everything that you saw this past year. This is, you know, we getting LeBron's signature on things and just like going going above and beyond for this kid to try to make a point that we could get this kid in, in top 45 status where he can get a guaranteed deal and, and fight his way. And that's, that's their mindset with all this. And, and I, I don't know if that was 
what led to them not playing five on five and just saying, you know, I'm uh, Chris saying I'm relying on clutch to get me this position. But my, my side of this, Sean was, if you had gripes all season long about your role and how you were used and, you know, talking to people around him saying that he wasn't the player that he was at Oak Hill or certainly not at who he was at Butchel in, in, in Akron. And if you had those role concerns and think that you're a guard or, you know, he compared himself to Jimmy Butler today uh, and Jalen Brown in terms of playing style and what he wants to be in the NBA. If that's who you think you are and you don't think that you were able to show that at Kentucky, is this five on five scrimmage not when you show that ability? Because I would be the first person if he if he went out there and dropped twenty, was super efficient and showed off guard skills and kind of was the mismatch nightmare we kind of thought he could be going in his career at Kentucky. I would have shut the hell up. I would have gone on this show and said, you know what? Maybe they were right from day one. Maybe he is a guard. Maybe he was just absolutely used the wrong way and. But I just didn't hear that on Kentucky's side that that's who he was as a basketball player. Every time I talked to Kentucky, they were like that's who he thinks he is, man. But I'm just not seeing it. Like, I don't, I don't know what he thinks he is, but that's just not the style that he needs to be playing. If this, this was the chance for him to show that that's who he was as a basketball player to be Jimmy Butler or Jalen Brown or whatever, you know, he thought he was now he doesn't get that chance. Now it's going to be more one on zero shooting up shots against cones the next week before he makes a final decision on, on his future working out with teams. I just, I, I, I'm really worried that this situation is being handled absolutely the worst way possible. And it's going to cost him his career shot. Like, yeah. I, I'm I, really concerned. Yeah. I'm concerned too. And I was, uh, I was actually, I was standing talking to a college coach over the weekend and, and we were talking about positions in basketball and how much the game has changed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in recent years and I mean this is coming from you know from from college coaching this isn't high school coaching or anything else this is collegiate coaching and, and things and when you look at the NBA and you turn on this game tonight or you turned on last night's game and, and you're talking three and four and five what's labeled anymore offensively dude it's it's five out and and dudes are playing with the ball in their hands and in space and and things like that and, and that that's what I'm talking about with Chris whether he's a three or he's a four it doesn't matter it's about skill set and what you can do. And that just feels like the the perfect area to, to kind of showcase what you can do at either one of those spots is get out there and do it with guys that are competing to do the exact same thing that you're hoping to do. Get drafted, put yourself in a position to be picked. But there's just so much talk that gets in it. I even throw this into the, to the Bradshaw I'll talk to with about being a four or being a five or whatever it is, or playing some three. We're, we're just to a point in the game now where some coaches are still labeling it, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of coaches around college basketball, professional basketball, they don't label dudes two, three, four, five anymore. It's what can you do? Everybody's transitioned. Most, most teams have transitioned to five out, and not a lot of teams are looking for a guy that can play if they're back to the basket anymore. Like it's just a completely different era of basketball, and uh, that that I get, I actually get frustrated when we when we started talking about three four. You remember a year ago, I said Chris Livingston just needs to be Chris Livingston. He doesn't need to be a three. He doesn't need to be a four. And I don't know. 
but I am concerned that there's going to be some decisions made here that are not in his best interest that are going to really set him up and put him in a corner that he's going to have to fight his way out of. And that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen because I think he has a ton of potential. He's got a great frame for that league. He just got to get the skill set and showcase it and do some things to put him in a situation to be successful. And Chris, to me, Jack, should not be on a time frame to get out of Kentucky immediately. And, and that shouldn't be the case with any player ever. No. I mean, and, with, with NIL, knowing what these kids make now, there, there is no excuse to ever be on a uh, an accelerated program just for to have one and done next to your name. Like, again, what did that do for Khalil Whitney? What did what, he was a half and done? Like, would, oh, is that good? Like, how'd that work out for him? He's playing for the Grand Valley Vipers or whatever the hell it is, competing for G League championships, making pennies on the dollar. Like, is that what you want to rush to? Like, and if it is, if if you just want that to be your future in basketball, then then great. Like, if you just want to be a pro, not have to worry about school, then just you know, just say that. And and like, I wouldn't fault you if that if that was your mindset, but. If it's about the long-term vision and being a long-term pro and, and and being a playing for a contender one day and being a rotation piece for said contender, this is not the path. This is it's just not. If if you're not if you're not a top tier lottery pick, top twenty pick, somewhere in that range, your best way to get to have a professional basketball career now in the NBA is to do two things. You got to make the three. And you got to be able to guard multiple spots. You cannot be a liability defensively. You got to be able to guard the perimeter and guard the basketball. You got to be able to guard some size. You got to be able to switch and do those things. Be a versatile defender and a capable, willing three point shooter. Those are the ways that you play professional basketball nowadays. That is the two things that I think Chris needs to perfect about his game and be a knockdown shooter. Doesn't have to shoot 44, 45%, but with Chris's frame and, and things, if, if he could guard multiple positions and then show the ability to maybe hit that corner three and, and do some things from the perimeter and, and some consistency from there, th- there's a spot in the league for a guy like that. And I just think that th- those would be the two things now that I would tell any player that is hoping to go to that league and play. That's how you play if you're not – I mean, look, Steph Curry, LeBron, all those dudes, they're just – when they get in their bag and do what they do, they're special. But those role guys in the NBA – what do they do well? They can defend and they knock down shots. That's what you're seeing in the NBA playoffs right now. And that's what's so refreshing about Keyshawn Johnson and even shoot Justin Edwards. You know, you know, the most underrated part about Justin Edwards is that dude shows up to every single damn event in existence. Every low end all American event, ball is life, this slam America, this, uh, Iverson classic like the dude has played in every single event imaginable he shows up and wants to smoke every day I mean he came all the way down to Freedom Hall for this event I mean was yeah. the next day he ducks nobody he just wants to play he doesn't care what position he is I asked his guy with clutch by the way I said you know are we gonna have the same Chris Livingston three versus four he doesn't want to be you know this he, he he's not a big he's a guard you know he's a I'm going to, I'm here to tell you right now, Justin doesn't give a damn about any of that stuff. He just wants to play and contribute to winning and get to the league. Like he doesn't care how it happens. He's confident in his abilities. I, I, I cannot believe that we asked him on this podcast, Sean, there's a lot of, you know, rumblings and talk that you're a better 
Batman than, or you're a better Robin than Batman. And what do you say to those kind of criticisms that you might not be the superstar, but you're better off as kind of a complimentary role piece? And he said, that's fine. That's who I am as a basketball player. Like, I'm not stupid. It's like, thank you. It's the most refreshing thing in the world to just see a dude that just wants to show up and who like that. It, it's, it's amazing. And I, that's, that's part of the reason why I think the fail rate for Justin Edwards is infinitely small. He's going to be very good because he just shows yeah. up. And- it's a mindset. If you enter with that mindset, you're going to be successful. And, and the thing that, that I, I tell kids and things, and I would tell any kid that I coach or any kid that's involved in this game, there are more role players on your roster than there are star players. There are more role players in the NBA than there are stars in the NBA. Right? It's like any job. There's more of us just doing our job than there are bosses or people that are overseeing us. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah, just because it's basketball or or professional baseball or or whatever it is, those, those role guys that do what they do, there's a ton of them, and there's more of them, and more so in the game of basketball. Look at LA's roster right now and what they're doing with their role players. I know I brought that up the last couple of weeks. Those role dudes are earning big money moving forward because of how they've played since the playoffs started. Funny how that works. It is. Just do do your role. Be be really good at one or two things, and there's a place for you in the league. And those two things that I brought up earlier, I think, are where it really lies now. Why is Oscar Shibway even in the conversation to be drafted? Because he has one elite elite. trait. He has one elite trait, and he understands who the hell he is as a basketball player. Yeah, he is. is That's an admirable trait for every NBA team in America. He is not a good defender, and we all know that. He struggles mightily defensively. But the one thing that he does very, very well, he does it better than anyone does that's entering that draft this year. And NBA teams will find a way to not get exposed defensively in, in things. like, Or maybe there's a small role there for him in, in a franchise. Like When you get a guy like that that does that, you're willing to work. He's not going to play the five. He's not going to – like there's there's other dudes there with, with size and stuff. So, that, I mean, the, the NBA game is completely different than the collegiate game. So, yeah, you, you do – Try to be elite at one thing. Try to be really good at two things, and you got a chance in the league. Um, his quote quite concerned me after uh, today, yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe there will be a team in the NBA that will love what I do. Yeah. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think I think Oscar Sheboy will play in the NBA for twelve years, and I think he's going to average thirteen to fifteen minutes per game over the course of those twelve years. And I think he's going to not make a ton of money, but he's going to make he he is going to be the perfect complimentary bench piece for some contender for a really really long time. I, I just I, I, watching him today do exactly what he did against the best of those type of players at, at the combine. Everybody fighting for their pro lives, and for him to continue doing exactly what he does best—just a ball magnet on the glass. Doing, I mean, uh, he had one he had one play, Sean. Where and I know you, you you weren't able to watch it in, in real time, but there was one play. Uh, the ball was going out of bounds. He saved a rebound, tossed it back, and it landed at, at the perimeter. He reestablishes himself inside. He gets the dump down, and he goes up, Sean, for an absolute baptism of a poster. And it, it like he gets hit and then it, it bounces out. But like he almost had the play of the entire NBA combine today. And it was because he made that one extra effort out of bounds to save that to save that rebound. 
98% of their players are going to let that go and let it go down the other way and focus on the other end of the floor. Like, that's just who he is as a basketball player, and I think that's why he's going – I think he'll get drafted at 51 or something, and I think he's going to carve out a role for a really long time. That's a guy that stepped on the court today with something to prove and something to fight for. And and that's what you – look, You had, he had nothing to lose. He had everything to gain by competing in this and, and going through that today, whether that means he goes to the NBA and gets drafted or he returns to Kentucky for, for an extra season. He had nothing to lose today, everything to gain. He is who he is as a basketball player. We know his age. The NBA is is, is a young league. Like we, we know the, the youth and stuff that comes into it every single year and the superstars. I mean, there's dudes playing in the playoffs tonight that have been in the league for multiple seasons that are the age of Oscar Sheboy. But he had nothing to lose, and he put himself in a position today to possibly hear his name called a month from now. Now, what does that do for Kentucky? It, I mean, it makes it interesting, right? Like that's that's what we're definitely probably going to transition into and talk about is what does Kentucky do? And, and I said this on my radio show on Sunday. I feel really terrible. Like I'm not rooting against these kids like yeah. in these events. Like obviously I want Oscar to go out there and play like a man yeah. possessed. I wanted Antonio Reeves to go out there and go for 30. But I also knew in the back of my mind, if Antonio Reeves goes for 30, it goes, well, damn. He's going to get this combine invite. And if he goes to the combine and does this, then man, he's going to get drafted and he's going to leave. And then Kentucky's screwed. Like it's kind of one of those like moral things. It's like, you don't, do do you feel bad? I I don't know. It sucks with Antonio Reeves, especially because he played okay at the combine and clearly did not look like an NBA player. And you want to feel bad and be like, damn, you know, this is his NBA dream. He wants to be a pro and, you know, it kind of sucks. But then at the same time, I'm like, I want Antonio Reeves back because that dude's a hooper. He went for 37 in Fayetteville, and I'm super confident that he's going to be even better next season. If that's what's going to happen, he's going to make more money with NIL back at Kentucky. Sign me up. I'm for it. But it does kind of feel like gross a little bit to not root against them, but – you're not rooting for their dominance. It's, it's it's a very weird dynamic. Under the table, you're pumping your fist, right? Like, but not in a way that's a negative towards him. It's it's a it's a selfish thing because you want to see him at Kentucky. And, and, and honestly, it's not a selfish thing, really. It's more of a I think that here's how I'll put it. He's in a better spot 12 months from now if he comes back to Kentucky and does the things that he needs to do. And then I think the things that he's capable to do on a roster where I think there's going to be more, I don't think, I, there, I know there's going to be more options in the backcourt to where he's going to be able to kind of roam and, and showcase his game, maybe in one or two areas that really and, and kind of pigeonhole himself into what he could be in that league. This year he was asked to do a lot of different things. A role at one point in the year, we were talking about why he wasn't in on in the game at crunch time, or we talked about why he played such a small number of, of minutes in, in key moments there in early November. And then by the end of the year, it was if this dude doesn't make shots, we're not winning tournament games. Like <laughs> well, that that was so season, that's man. where I'm saying that that's just a that's a disaster situation for a kid walking into a program of this caliber. I just don't see that being the case with another year at Kentucky. I think that he's a guy that knows who he is. He has an identity. I think now he has multiple identities because he learned a lot about himself with what he went through this past year. And then you bring in what Kentucky's bringing in. I think that he kind of transitions into a a better role 
that allows him to do the things that he's really good at. And let's say that Kentucky does go on a run this year and he makes shots consistently. What does that do for your draft stock? How many dudes do you see in the past? Terrible 24 draft class. Bingo. And then you see guards in that, in that run every year that come out of nowhere and they're the story of college basketball for two to three weeks. Marquise Noel was that story this year. You do that at a place like Kentucky where you already elevate your game enough when you go into that draft. What does performing and making shots in that tournament do for you if you're Antonio Reeves? And I think that winning gets you drafted, especially at a place like Kentucky. So it goes hand in hand. You come back, you help Kentucky win, you make shots, and then I think you put yourself in a better spot to go right back there, get an invite. And I've always said it, Michael Mulder carved out a role in the NBA for a period of time and didn't play a ton of minutes at Kentucky. He did what? He made shots. If Reeves can make shots, improve his game defensively, he has that long athletic frame, I think there's a spot in the league for him. A uh, new name has potentially presented itself. Some pretty uh, eye-opening quotes today from another high-profile forward that we'll talk talk about right after this. The Source Day Podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy uh, can help. He is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, there was another pretty eye-opening quote today from a a player that has been discussed heavily uh, on Twitter, especially, and message boards and all that about uh, who Kentucky could add at the forward spot. Missouri's Kobe Brown was asked about um, a transfer and all of the rumors and basically was asked flat out, do you think that, you know, where those talks come from? What what do you think of them? And he did not deny any of it. I mean, he he said, my focus is right now is on the draft. It's my intention to stay in the draft. I don't know where all that that stuff comes from, but it's crazy, isn't it? You know, he was like (laughs) super non- like confrontational about it at all. We're just like, damn, rumors are crazy, aren't they? Is what it is. So I know can I, I know Kentucky, if he were to hit the transfer portal, Kentucky would drop everything to you have to go make that happen. Yeah. It, you, in fact, they, they, I know that for certain that is a guy that they would drool over and drop everything for. And I don't blame him. And and if it gets to the point where you get Keshad Johnson committed on Saturday as the I don't care where I'm being played. Him and Justin Edwards is kind of just play me and I'll figure it out position wise. And you can get Kobe Brown as versatile as they come. A, a you know, kind of a long term vision of what I think Kobe, uh, what Chris Livingston could be, you know, kind of that big, big body, big, strong, physical, athletic, big wing guard forward type, you know, hybrid player that's who Kobe Brown is and it's like getting the polished finished product of what you would ideally want out of Chris Livingston long term you could get him it's, alongside Keisha Johnson alongside Aaron Bradshaw and Ugana Onyenso and 
then Julio Reeves and Bob Dillingham and DJ Wagner. Then you have you're talking experience and you're talking a front court that can do a mixture of different things. And it would completely change the way that we look at this Kentucky team. And there's this is a big week to two weeks coming up. And clearly I was off on my projections of mid-May because like it's <laughs> it's mid-May. And the only thing that's the only thing that we know right now is it's just still total chaos and we're all hanging on by a thread of two or three decisions, but they are coming. I mean, they're coming down the pike here, and, and we're we're looking at getting some resolution and some clarity on exactly what Kentucky will look like when they take the floor here. What two months? It's exactly. I think it's right at two months now that they'll that they'll be playing some basketball games. So, no. If in, in the comment of you know talking about committed to to staying in the draft and, and things like that, like of course, like you're not going to sit there in that interview and say, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not committed to this," because you want to hear that feedback. You want to get that feedback on where you stand before you say, no, I'm going to pull my name out of this. And then it's an awkward, it's an awkward question, right? About transferring. Like when you get asked something that I think you already know where you're leaning or what your thoughts are, it's hard to kind of deflect it because your body language is going to give it away. Not saying that that's going to happen, but there, there's definitely in, in today's game and in, in world with the transfer portal and things like you, you can never, it's never safe to assume anything, but that is a that would be a highly coveted dude that would hit the portal late. That Kentucky would certainly uh, benefit from if uh, his services were to land at the Joe Craft Center and at Rupp Arena somehow. I mean, that's the one. I mean, if if you're if you're asking me best case scenario for this roster to unfold, I think the addition of Kobe Brown would give you the brute kind of thing that you're missing with Oscar Sheboy if he were to go while also still maintaining the versatility while also allowing Aaron Bradshaw to be Mr. Versatile and kind of unlock the best version of his game. And Ugan Onyenso doesn't have a true like person to battle with at the five. Like he kind of has his own carved out role as well. I, I, I almost feel like that addition would make everything else fall into place the way it's supposed to. You know, I, I that would make all of my concerns about the youth and the erraticness of some of the players and all of those kind of gripes that I have. I think having a stable force like Kobe Brown in that lineup would would definitely kind of change the entire trajectory of the off. I mean, just being totally honest, like I think that would change the whole trajectory of the offseason and, and what my expectations are for. Like, I think right now Kentucky is a top 20 preseason team. Like yeah, I, and I, I think they're flawed, and I think there's there's going to be a lot of work to be done about getting getting them where they need to be. Kobe Brown, I think, would make them a pretty clear contender. Yeah, to, to be fair, this isn't a Final Four team on paper at the moment or a Final Four team on the court. Like, there's some things to be done over the course of the next week to two, to two weeks to try to kind of sure it up. Now, where do we stand late May going into June, maybe we're in a different situation and we're sitting here talking about that Kentucky is a, a clear, clear cut front runner to be a final weekend or second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. But there are some things that, that needs to be shored up. There are some question marks. You mentioned Ugo. That's a huge question mark. The upside is there. The potential's there, but is he ready for, is he ready to wear the weight of that? That is probably my biggest question of the offseason. Is is he ready to put that weight on his shoulders and, and carry Kentucky at that spot if he's called upon to do so or if he's forced to do so? 
I mean, there's there's a lot of things like you you always want in life. We always want security, right? John Calipari and, and this Kentucky team wants the exact same thing. You want options. You want to. I think it's very important in today's game, especially as old as it is now in college basketball. You want guys on your roster that you 100% know what you're getting out of them. Johnson is one of those guys if Kentucky adds him. Reeves is one of those guys if he comes back. You've got to have two or three of those dudes to go with the high upside guys that you have coming in, and I think that that's the blend to have success in this era of college basketball, an era that is going to get younger here in about two years when the COVID years and stuff play through. Like, the game's the game's changing. It's it's going to change again. And uh, but right now, it's an older league, I guess NCAA wise. But you need those dudes. And uh, I do have some concerns about Kentucky's youth at the on the interior. I think they need a veteran piece. Uh, M. Jordan Williams says if Josh Harrell can, Harrelson can do it and learn by fire, I think Ugo can. I, I think there is something to be said about like we saw Ugo at his best. Obviously, it was against. Howard and Duquesne and North Florida and, you know, the no-name no programs. But he did a lot of really, really interesting and unique stuff in short spurts this past season to start the year when Oscar Sheway was still out with his knee surgery. And, and I almost do kind of feel that way that if you're if, if that's the path we're going down, he you kind of just got to go all in with it and let him play through the mistakes. It was kind of my argument going into last year with Kaysen Wallace playing point guard, like, He's not a true point guard, and I don't think it's a you know he, he's he's going to be flawed and he's going to turn the ball over and he, and he has those things. But by the end of the year, he's going to be the guy that you want keys in hand, and you might as well get the process started from day one than in February. And that ended up kind of coming to fruition. And and how would the whole season trajectory change if if they had gone that path from the beginning? I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm kind of that way with Ugo where. If you're going to use him and he's going to be the guy that you recruit him to be, you kind of just got to push your chips in on him and say, who is he? You won't know yeah. who he is as a basketball player until you give him that shot. Yeah. And and a lot of times that's when you find it out, right? When a guy is forced into to a role and, and has no option but to to fight or, or not. And when you get there, if it works out, it's beautiful. And if it doesn't, you're left scratching your head, grasping at straws, hoping to do whatever you can to figure it out. 2016, perfect example, right? With with Scal. Like that that put Kentucky in scramble mode on the interior because of, of the style of play and the things that Cal and staff were trying to do there that just did not work out. Like there are risks to this. That's why you want something to to fall back on. That way you can kind of figure it out on the fly if there is something there. And I just think that adding someone uh, a veteran at that spot would would be ideal, but Ugo is a guy that I do have a lot of hope in. And if you if you give, and I, I wish that's where that's the one thing that I go back to this season that I, I just did not agree with. I've always said that I thought Ugo should have got Lance's minutes, just because of the upside point. And that's no knock on Lance. Lance was a a, a role guy that when he he had his moments at Kentucky, but I thought that it was a almost a essentially a year wasted for Ugo at Kentucky when it comes to on-court play. You played him early, and then he didn't play again. For a team that struggled for majority of the season, I, I, ideally I think it would have been great to have got him some more experience, and then we maybe by now wouldn't have the question marks that we have surrounding him. Maybe we would have got to see something in SEC play or in the NCAA tournament that would have given us some kind of clarity on what he could be. 
this year, but right now there's still he's he's just as big of a question mark as the incoming freshman to me. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of breaking news as the show is going on, and it's not like super relevant to Kentucky, but I just think it's kind of interesting to talk about the stuff live as it's happening. Caleb Love is decommitted from Michigan, right. former North Carolina guard, one of the top grad uh, guard transfers is. Uh, now back on the board. Apparently, so there's some admissions issues um, trying to get him into uh, just transferring credits over from UNC to Michigan. So that's pretty fascinating. And also, uh, did you uh, also see that uh, Kelvin Sampson, a Houston head coach, interviewed for the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching job? That's a fascinating one because um, just putting it out there, it's a it's a nice staff that he has developed. And I had already heard that there was potentially somebody on that staff that could maybe be one of those names. And another ton of conversations and talks about, um, you know, what the staff updates are and all that. Uh, I had heard one of those kind of very not so quiet whispers is, you know, potentially coming from that staff. I don't want to name names or what or anything, but um, that would be one to keep an eye on. If he goes and takes that bucks job, obviously it's going to be, I mean, yeah. free free agency for his entire coaching staff at the collegiate level. So that's definitely one that I would uh, – he's a great coach. I, I, Kelvin Sampson is, is a is. superstar. And, and if he were 10 years younger, he would be my absolute penciled-in replacement for John Calipari whenever he leaves. I mean, I, he, I think he's at the top of the list in terms of what he's able to do and what he could do with the resources here at Kentucky. I think he'd crush it. But – um, that's, that's one I would keep a very loose, loose eye on. And, um, some big news. That's, that's, that's another, that's another name going out there that highly coveted dude and Caleb love another guy with national championship experience. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this late into the spring. It's a pretty big deal. Well, in M Jordan Williams said earlier without Oscar, who else is out there? And there were a couple other, you know, scrapping the bottom of the transfer barrel and stuff like also understand that there are a lot of, again, superstar transfers are trained, you know, Hunter Dickinson's of the world, Oscar Sheeway's of the world. Those guys go into the portal because they aren't NBA players until they decide, you know, like Oscar Sheeway, if he does decide to go, he says, we know I'm just ready to see if I am a pro ready or not. Here I come. But there are a lot of guys that are also grad transfers that this is, recent deadline for the portal does not apply to them. So uh, we're going to get some new additions in the transfer portal via grad transfer. And that's where the Kobe Brown would come from. And that's where some of the other names have kind of been rumored and hinted at in the past. Like that's where we are going to keep a close eye on the Olivier Sars of the world. Those those types of players, um, you could get them late. And I, I, I don't think that guy is there yet. Isaiah Miranda was one that kind of came out this past week, North Carolina uh, state transfer, former four-star recruit UK flirted with him, never offered a scholarship, but um, I would personally not go for it, but he's kind of another one of those versatile uh, kind of like Aaron Bradshaw in a different form. If I, I just don't think the fit is there, but you know, another name to, to that, that had presented itself, but uh, John, I, I don't think that the options will be limited when push comes to shove, especially after the combine ends and some of those grad transfer guys ultimately have a decision to make. Yeah, there, there's a second wave here coming, or a final wave of, of, of dudes that are going to be available. And 
if you need it, and there will be some talented guys become available. And if you need to add your roster, Kentucky will have options there to to kind of look and see what what they want to add. But you you hope you don't fall in that, in that situation and get to that point. You hope you kind of can get what you want before them. But I mean, look, you're with the transfer portal and, and the way the rules are now. Like the off season is so much more entertaining now because of the portal. Like as soon as the NCAA tournament, as soon as teams start losing, conference tournaments are ending. It is nothing but portal news from mid-March all the way through May. And then you get the draft. Like college basketball is a year-round talk now. College athletics in general is year-round now. Remember the days when it was Kentucky lost in March and we didn't hear anything until mid-May? And it's just NBA draft decisions then? Well, it, that's not the case anymore. Now we're if one dude goes into the transfer portal at 2 a.m., it, it's on a message board by 2.15 with people talking about it. Like, it's just – it doesn't matter who it is. And then fans are creating scenarios of, Ooh, can you imagine if that guy ends up at Kentucky? And it, it's fun. It's stressful, but it's also entertaining and it's fun. And look, every year we attach ourselves to probably three or four names in the transfer portal that we don't even get close to even really <laughs> being a real thing. And it happens every year. Like I know more about college basketball players now than I ever did just because of the possible connections. I mean, this is a member of the Matt Harms, uh, thing like I mean it's just it's always something or it's every year there's those one or two names that you see them popping up somewhere else in college basketball like, oh yeah remember that wild time where we locked in for two to three weeks and watched everything that dude did and then it didn't happen dude I, I'm sitting there watching the the combine earlier today and all, the scrimmage is going on and I know every single name of, of guys out there because of half of them are in the portal while also exploring their 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 pro prospects and all that so i'm like oh there's grant nelson oh there's uh, <laughs> you know this guy oh there's this guy oh julian phillips that he wow he broke a combine record for highest vertical like just going it's it's hilarious that yeah. all the guys that i wouldn't have paid that close julian phillips obviously sec tennessee you know different yeah. situation but like grant nelson i wouldn't have even known he existed no. until kentucky reached out to him in the portal once he entered like stuff like that i, I think it's pretty fascinating um there were a couple of people that that when I brought up Kelvin Sampson said you could have never hired Kelvin Sampson here ever after his desire the disaster at IU Denzel Hall you know he got IU on probation do you know why he got on IU on probation uh, like compared to what we're doing now in the NIL era and what is legal in today's world like he. His serious NCAA violations back in the day were included were included sending text messages to recruits uh, that was against NCAA rules between 2007 and 2013, and released re- received a five year show cause penalty because of it. How dare you? Oh my god! I mean, I know Bruce Pearl has his uh, has his moments, but he got in trouble at Tennessee for having a cookout and making phone calls. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, it, it's actually laughable when you look back on it that that got a coach, one of the better coaches in the SEC, fired at Tennessee. A cookout and phone calls. It's all nonsense. It, it's it's and, all absolute nonsense. And yeah. Kelvin Sampson would get any other job in America right now, including high-profile Blue Bloods, if he were five years younger. Yeah. I mean, and just think, a few years later, we had FBI wiretaps and – Exactly. Strippers and strippers in dorms just up the road. And I mean, it's like a cookout. Yeah. I ain't worried about that. If, if 
it probably won't matter, but if the Milwaukee Bucks, a title with Giannis <laughs> freaking Antetokounmpo, believe that he is a potential answer to their coaching woes, like I, I would, I would personally enjoy it at the University of Kentucky. It is what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know if there are any questions that we miss. I know there was a lot of staff stuff, a lot of questions about Bruiser Flint. Yes. Bruiser will be retained in some form or fashion and and he will uh, there's some talk about if Cal can't find a guy that he's in love with retaining KT's job uh, as, as that third assistant which I've talked about on the show I I think would be a lazy move for Cal I think that when you have the the, the resources and the yeah. uh, the the Rolodex that you should have in you know it's okay to have Bruiser Flynn on your staff, but there's no reason to just settle to have him on just for the sake of doing it. When there are, you know, young, get, get somebody young, get somebody brand new, fresh, new ideas that can, you know, present new, new ideas and, and come be combative when the situation calls for it, because you need, you know, not a yes man in your life. Like there, there are some really, really valuable coaches out there with a lot of talent that could make a, a huge impact on, on this coaching staff. And I, I just keep Bruiser. I, Bruiser's a great guy, and I, I, I like him being there for Cal. But you have five total coaches. John Welch is one of them. He can stay as the special assistant. But if you have a third full-time assistant to be on the road recruiting with you, there's no reason to force Bruiser to be one of those, just, just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. You – I just don't think at this point in your career you need a you need a staff just full of yes men. Like I, I think that that's no. I just I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I, I would like to have people that are going to to challenge me and throw out ideas and and not be afraid to kind of take and and look there, there's different personalities on every staff, right? Like not like every staff has yes men, every, and then staffs have guys that step up and and want to speak and, and offer what their opinions are in the heat of the moment in a game though. You, you, you got to have the perfect blend staff is like one guy on staff needs to be great. It's, it's the same thing with, with on the floor. We talk about roles, coaching staffs are the exact same way. You have guys that do their role on staff. You have guys that are yes men. You have guys that are stepping out and challenging you more. You, you got to have a mixture of it. You got to have a blend. Yeah, we'll see. I, I I think when push comes to shove, Cal will do the right thing and say, I think, you know, because he was really doing his due diligence and, and found a lot of viable options. And I think he was happy with a lot of them. And some of them fell through and, you know, didn't want to leave their their previous spot. And, you know, I, I think he just kind of hit a, a hit a rut where it's like, man, I'm dedicating all this time. And uh, for guys, you know, I, I'm not get any traction here. And, you know, I, I get it. Like I, I understand, but there could be a second wave with this. Once the roster is finalized, you have a full month to, you know, before uh, the kids get back on campus in June game, you're going to go to Toronto for the global jam and in, in, in first week of July, that's a full month where you can, you know, let Orlando, let chin, let bruiser, let John Welch, let them stay in the gym with the, with the kids and, and, you know, and then go get your assistant, go get your third guy and say let's round out this 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 coaching staff with with a home run hitter because you are Kentucky you are John Calipari you can get that guy he's he's out there go find him so yeah NBA college basketball it doesn't matter like 
go get what you want to get and what you feel you need to add to the staff. Go get it. It's I'm telling you, there, there's a young dude out there with a lot of talent somewhere that would be like busting down doors to walk to the end of the university of Kentucky and, and put that on his resume. I'm telling you somewhere, it doesn't have to be an experienced guy that's coached for 25 or 30 years. You just need a proven track record of results and whatever that job is and whatever that role is. And you need a mind. Uh, that's what I want is a guy that is modernized within the game that has seen it, done it, been a part of success. That's what I'm looking for. You don't need an ultimate winning recruiter. You got that already. That's my argument. I mean, you you are the closer. You are the final guy. Like you don't need three home run hitter recruiters on the staff. Go get you John Welch was a perfect start. Go get yeah. a, a you know another. I think this staff right now needs the guy who's going to be in the gym with these kids at midnight, getting shots up. The player relationship, the, the Kenny Payne. Go find the Kenny Payne relationship guy, and I'll be. I'll shut the hell up. I will. I will. I will never say another word about the staff. If you go just get, like, I like the recruiting recruiting is fine right now. And I do, I think a greater emphasis on scouting needs to be made, but I, I do like, it, it is a, a net upgrade getting John Welch. And I think the loss of Andrew Ortelli is huge and it's, that will be felt, but I do think John Welch is, is a positive improvement just overall um, getting a point of emphasis of, of that needed to be hit. But relation a player relationship guy is not on the staff right now, and, and I think that's that's where I would start if I were Coach Cal. We'll uh, we'll see. That's a that's a big one. Uh, a couple, several people actually dying to know about uh, Kentucky's chances with Trey Johnson, number one player in America right now. A lot of uh, talk about Kentucky or Baylor for him. He just cut his list to six, and Kentucky was obviously one of those guys. Uh, I think I think Kentucky is in a solid spot but not a great spot um i do think baylor uh, so for a minute texas had kind of overtaken and had a, a ton of momentum with him but I, I just i think a lot of the early flair of rodney terry i think has died off a little bit hence why ron holland is backing out hence why aj johnson left i think that flair has kind of died out a little bit and i think that includes uh trey johnson and i don't think that tr Texas is in the driver's seat or even in the passenger seat at this point. I think they're sitting third, firmly behind Baylor at one and Kentucky at two. But I, I think they're right there. He wants to win, and I think he wants to prove that he can do it at a blue blood, and that was kind of one of the big appeals for him. Uh, but he also just loves the Baylor pitch, what he, what they did with Keontae George, what they've done with high-level, lottery-level guards in recent years. He wants to be that, and his dad played there. I mean, it's home. It, it, it makes a lot of sense for him to be at Baylor. I don't think he's going to commit anytime soon, soon. I, I do think he'll decide uh, probably like September, October, something like that. Uh, so you do have time to make up ground and potentially overtake Baylor. Uh, I'm still taking the Bears right now. Uh, if he were to make a decision, I think that's what it would be. But um, we'll see. Um, John Hand is Jack handing out on three shirts. Not handing them out, but uh, repping the brand. Let, gotta, love, gotta love on three, and you could definitely get a shirt if you want to rep the brand or Kentucky branded KSR shirts, just by all means, just go, go, go support the company. That's, oh, that's good. Polaric Spicer. Could Damien come back? I don't believe so. Um, I, 
don't envision a scenario where that's going to unfold. I'd love to. I mean, I still think that there's a lot of promise with Damian, but I just don't envision that happening. Um, some talk about Tyler Uless. Yes, he is going to come back next year, and I do think he has done a good job with the player relationships guy, but you can't get a full-time student assistant to be your player relationship guy. Like, he's 24, 25 years old. Like, yeah, that's not his job. He, he's, he's supposed to be there to learn himself on how to be a coach himself, not to – carry the entire coaching load on his shoulders. I mean, it's, he can help, but not a ton. Um, uh, any Sean coaching news? Not yet. We talked about it before the show uh, and he made sure to uh, address his attire a little bit better this time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Threw a jacket on. Or at least cover it up a little bit better. Uh, that's, that's coming though. I, I promise. Like, I mean, we shoot, we, we play in two weeks. Like it, it has to, <laughs> It has to come. I just, I'm trying to do the right thing and be respectful of it and let the higher up people tell me when, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, you, can, you can put it out there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. Uh, John Hand, hope we get Carter than Flory. I do think Carter has been sensational this spring and going into the summer. So I do think Kentucky's like, he's back up in that tier with Boogie Flan and Flory Badunga and uh, Trey Johnson, all those guys. So I, I would definitely keep an eye on Carter. He's been uh, absolutely sensational. Polaric Spicer could Flory reclass? I think he could. Um, I would do anything for him to be at Kentucky this year to replace Oscar if that's what the situation called for. Flory is my favorite player in the class, so uh, I'm I'm hoping for as well. Um, People asking about Rondo, and I, was, I I saw Rondo over the weekend actually. Did you ask him if he's coming? You know, I didn't think of it. <laughs> That's the whole point. I know. I failed. I failed. And now that I think about it, I was like, no, I, I didn't even ask him. So I will say I got a little excited about the Rondo possibility. I heard um, uh, they, the issue that I've brought up on this show in the past is that he wants his Team Rondo grassroots program to be an EYBL program. And he wants to kind of give back to the future generations and focus on, you know, that side of things, the youth movement in Kentucky. He wants he wants to be a part of youth development in basketball in, in Kentucky. If he is the head sponsor of an EYBL program, he cannot be on any coaching staff. Um, I the, the somebody sent me a picture of the team nine. They rebranded themselves, and I was like, "Oh, there it is that that he's distancing himself, or at least." rewording it to where he's not team Rondo, but apparently it's just the developmental like grade cycle, like kindergarten through seventh grade or whatever. And then the actual eighth grade on is the team Rondo. So nothing has changed in that regard, unfortunately. So I don't know. That's still very much up in the air. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Kentucky still is trying for it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, it's because he's wanting to do his thing with, with, you know, youth basketball. It's not like you can blame him. So, We'll see. Um, we're going to wrap up here shortly, but trying to get any of these last uh, last question, chance questions in here. Um, I can't believe I didn't ask him. You said what? I, said, I can't believe I didn't ask him. Literally standing right there with him. Yeah, <laughs> didn't, even, didn't even ask him. I failed. You got to do your job, bro. Yeah, see, BBN, uh, MJ. Really, Sean? Come on. I know. I know. He's around, though. I mean, he's, he's at all of yeah. his events. So if, if you yes. don't if you don't sack up and ask him, I will next time I see. Him. Yeah. Um, let's see. A lot of um, 
how are uh, Lance Ware portal visits going? There's a lot of talk about him committing to Providence, which would be a good spot for him. Uh, I would like that for him. I think that'd be awesome. Um, we'll see. I think that'd be a good fit for him. Get back to the um, Northeast. BBN, MJ, are you guys going to Canada in July? I sure, certainly will be. I don't know. Will you be able to, Sean? Probably not, right? Uh, probably not, no. Yeah. Because that'll, that'll be after a dead period. We'll We'll see. I would like to. I'll be there. Somebody asked me. If I, somebody asked if I got starstruck. Yeah, some somewhere between that conversation and then standing with Chris Lofton for a little bit talking Kentucky high school basketball, I was kind of caught in the in a different era of SEC basketball. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty cool. All right, I think that wraps up all of the questions. I think we got through a ton of them. I feel like we have been using a lot of the comments and not necessarily addressing a lot of the questions the last couple of shows. So. Make sure we'll we'll, uh, we'll hit on those a little bit more moving forward. I appreciate all the feedback as always. You guys are the absolute best. Numbers continue to be absolutely just mind-blowingly ridiculous. And I don't – I mean, Sean, it never fails to amaze me how it could be 1230 lunchtime on a Tuesday and you have to get to practice and, like, I we can only fit it in this little <laughs> finite window. And we go, you know what, screw it. Let's just see if people will care to listen at this point. And we go on and they're – 36 people waiting and then thousands of people get on live with us as it's happening. It's like, you guys are the best. You guys are ridiculous. Um, it's we, legit. It's legit a family. Like these, these names that pop up in the chat. Like I know, I know these sure. names when they pop up now, I'm every like, single, Oh yeah. They're here for every single show. Never every family. single show. And it doesn't matter. I'll be out somewhere and somebody will see me or I'll meet somebody and they're like, Oh yeah. I listen to sources say all the time. Like I told you, like even in coaching, I've ran into people hours away that listen to sources say. Like it, it's crazy the the amount of people listen to the show, and we appreciate every single one of you. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's go on and get the heck out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim. KSR, reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. That will be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.